Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920. It's time to take a look at the sporting lines with Lee Sterling from ParamountSports.com. And it pays off in a touchdown. Here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness here on Raider Nation Radio 920 on this Friday. And it is that time to talk to my guy, Lee Sterling from ParamountSports.com. You can find Lee on Twitter at Paramount Sports. And Lee, welcome back to the show. I definitely appreciate your time this afternoon. And man, uh, the Dallas Cowboys, they get the victory over the Saints Thursday night football to kick off week 13. It wasn't pretty, though, but they did get the victory. What did you think about Thursday night football? A win's a win in the NFL, but uh, they got some work to do. They want to join the elite. I mean, they were at a certain level, and Dak Prescott and that offense was looking really good. And since those injuries to Cooper and C.D. Lamb, they were not the same. Now, both those guys looked good last night, especially C.D. Lamb. I mean, uh, uh, he broke a couple ankles there on that. that I think it actually was ruled a run, that 33-yard gain. yep. But, um, I mean, both those guys are scary good. You see what they mean to the offense. But I didn't think Kellen Moore called a, a good game at all. I thought that, uh, you know, they were going against the top cornerback, and one of the top cornerbacks in the NFL, Lattimore, which was a huge mistake most of the night. And, uh, you know, he should have been trying to eat out the clock at the end of the game, and he's throwing the football, and a lot of his patterns during the game were like one, two, and three-yard patterns to receivers to me. Uh, every every pattern, unless it's a, a dump off to a running back or a screen, should be five yards or more down the field. So didn't like some of his play calling, but they were certainly helped out by Taysom Hill. Uh, those four interceptions, at least three were his fault. So uh, they were helped out by a really bad offense with limited options. So uh, win's a win. Let's see if they get better. I think they got some big-time talent. They got Lawrence back. He looked good. Yep. Once they get back Randy Gregory, they could they could be a contender. Yeah, no, they really can be. And before we get into any plays or anything, what, what did you think about the way that the NFL has done it this season where there's so many backloaded conference games, both in the AFC and NFC? So I like how they schedule the, the team schedules. Oh, I love it. I think it's great. I mean, you know, no one wants to see, you know, uh, the Raiders – you don't play a team from the other conference like the Jets in right. week 16, 17. I mean, we want to see games that matter. So I like it. Yeah. No, I do too. I think that they did a really good job, and it makes it so much more fun and, and intriguing later in the season for a lot of teams across the NFL. Again, we're talking with Lee Sterling from ParamountSports.com on Twitter at Paramount Sports here on Unnecessary Roughness, Raider Nation Radio 920. Well, let's get into some games. Let's get into some action. We got some uh, NFL action, and we'll even talk some college football. Matter of fact, let's go ahead and start with some college football. This game is being played tonight right here in Las Vegas at Allegiant Stadium. This is the Pac-12 Championship. I know my man Eddie, who is a proud Oregon alum, is going to be proud of this game. Uh, Definitely wants to see his Ducks win this one. But uh, Utah and Oregon. Utah is favored right now, two and a half points. How are you seeing this Pac-12 Championship game shake out? So the first time they played, I mean, the atmosphere was incredible in Salt Lake City. That crowd was rocking and Utah came to play. They got the lead. Uh, then special teams took over. Uh, you know, I, I don't think uh, Oregon knew what hit them. This game will be a little bit different. Played in Las Vegas. So 
both teams. Well, I think there'll be more Utah fans here for this game. A yep. little shorter drive for them, a little easier for them. But uh, still think, uh, I think it's going to be a tighter game. I, I don't think we're going to see a blowout, but just think that Utah can run the ball better. I think they're getting better quarterback play. I don't think Brown is the guy for this Oregon offense here. Uh, I think Utah found their quarterback, and uh, said special teams also an edge here. And maybe Mario Cristobal, all that distraction. I have a feeling uh, it's pretty close to being a signed deal that he comes to Miami. I think he's going to end up the coach. So might be a distraction here. might be his last game. So I like the Utes. I think it's going to be a little bit closer. I think they win 27-20. So I'll lay the points and take the running Utes. Boom. There it is right yeah. there. Pac-12 championship, Utah, Oregon, Allegiant Stadium right here in Las Vegas. Good way to kick us off. Lee Sterling is our guest from ParamountSports.com. Let's dip into some NFL action, and I'll save the AFC West game for the last game. How about we look ahead to the Monday night football game, the Buffalo Bills, New England Patriots, AFC East action. Uh, again, love the way that the NFL has this schedule. Uh, Buffalo is minus two and a half versus the Patriots. What are your thoughts on this one? Well, I thought four or five weeks ago Buffalo was the best team in the NFL. But, right. you know, things change, and they lost their best defensive back to various uh, white and Pro Bowl cornerback. Guy that pretty much locked down one side of the field. But since he went out with the ACL injury, uh, their defensive backfield isn't as strong. And now their offensive line, which pretty much returned to everyone from last year. They're just not the same this year. It happens. I mean, in college football, we saw a lot of teams that return like 19, 20 guys, and you're figuring, hey, they're going to be really good. Well, sometimes the kids just don't work that hard. They face some teams that present some different challenges and not protecting Josh Allen. In fact, he's fumbled the four, ball four times this year. He's throwed eight, eight interceptions here. And New England, <laughs> get back to their roots here. What are they doing? Uh, running the football. Uh, opportunistic defense and the quarterback not turning the ball over, just making plays and slowly, methodically moving the ball down the field. I think the wrong team's favored. I think New England wins this game 27-24. How fun has it been to see the maturation of the Patriots this year? You know what I mean? Like, I mean, they... No, it's not fun. I'm a Dolphins fan. It's never fun. <laughs> <laughs> okay. To be honest. That's fair. No, that's fair. I but respect it. They... I, I'm, I'm surprised. Yeah. I respect it. I do think Bill Belichick deserves maybe he keeps us up. You know, if they win this game, they have a one-game lead going into the bye week. Wow. He keeps us up. He wins the division. He gets my vote as coach of the year. No doubt. No doubt. And I did not think I'd be saying that at the beginning of the season. I didn't think they had a chance at that, and here they are. So I get it from a Dolphins point of view. Hell, I get it from a Raiders point of view. There's nobody in Raider Nation that likes the Patriots, but no. you got to respect them. you got to respect what they're doing, yeah. and especially Bill Belichick. Uh, man, good game right there. That's going to be Monday Night Football, Buffalo, and the Patriots. Talking right now with Lee Sterling from ParamountSports.com on Twitter at Paramount Sports here on Raiders. Raider Nation Radio 920, and I'm not going to talk about the Raider game in particular, but I'm going to talk about a game that everyone in Raider Nation is going to be paying attention to Sunday night football. That's Kansas City and Denver. You want to talk about a division that's up in the air. Kansas City has a one-game lead over everybody. <laughs> yep. I mean, that's it. They're 7-4 and, four and, in the and rest a couple of the weeks ago, they were a couple games out of first place. Right. They were in last place. Yep, exactly, exactly. But KC sitting there at 7-4, and four, and the rest of the division, 6-5, and five, they're going up against Denver. Uh, this is a Sunday night primetime game. Kansas City is minus 10, Lee, minus 10. What are your thoughts on this one? It seems like a lot of points. Yeah, and, and, and I thought this line should have come 7, maybe 7.5. But, um, you know, people – 
you know, they know about Kansas City. They know they won the Super Bowl two years ago. They know that they came close to winning it last year. They're going to face a team in Denver that all everyone was talking about at some one point this year was should have drafted Mac Jones. Well, right. they drafted Patrick Sertain, a cornerback, and you know, but was not well received. But look at the last couple of weeks, especially last week, two interceptions. Javante Williams, the number two pick, running back out of North Carolina. People are like, well, they got Melvin Gordon. What do they need another running back for? Well, Melvin Gordon's hurt all the time. I think that when you watch Williams, you realize he's bigger, stronger, faster, more of a home run hitter, more durable. So I love the pickup here. And, you know, Teddy Bridgeforder's playing well. Sap coming back. I mean, this defense is looking better. Offense gets the job done. Not pretty, but they move the ball. I think Kansas City might win the game 30-24, to 24, but I'm taking the points here in Denver. That makes sense. It makes a whole lot of sense. I guarantee you everyone uh, in Raider Nation is looking and hoping Denver pulls up the big upset. And uh, we could potentially think about this. Depending on how the rest of the weekend shakes out for the AFC West, we could be talking about a four-way tie in the division on mm-hmm. Monday. I mean, that's crazy. <laughs> I've that's never great. seen that. That's- not in December. Great for the fan. Be great for the fans, though. Yes, absolutely. It'd be great and fantastic. But we're just talking about the points. So yep. uh, take the points right there. Kansas City minus yep. ten. Uh, they probably will win the game, but you just don't think by double digits, which makes sense to nah, me. Nah, I think it's too much. Right. Yep. I agree. Me too. Well, some fantastic action right there, Lee. It's always great to catch up with you, man. If anyone wants to reach out to you and get some more information from you, what do they need to do? Just go to ParamountSports.com. How about this sale? Everyone talks about Cyber Monday. I'm going to best that by two or three. I'm going to take it to a different level. If they want to come on board, last year, from the 1st of December through the Super Bowl, we won, how about this, a mind-boggling 37 of the last 46 games. They can get every game in December, called Double Down December, for just $97. It says 297 on the website. Use coupon code SAVE200, just $97, or through the Super Bowl, which is in mid-February this year. You know, they with an extra week, it doesn't end right uh, that first weekend in February. It goes till mid-February. Uh, use coupon code SAVE300, just $197. So double down uh, December. Use coupon code SAVE200. Uh, for the end-of-the-year special through the Super Bowl, use coupon code SAVE300. Just one place, ParamountSports.com. Boom, there it is right there. And, of course, you could always catch Lee with us here on Unnecessary Roughness, Raider Nation Radio 920, each and every Friday. Lee, great stuff, fantastic stuff as always. There's a lot of great action going on this weekend. Continue actually starting tonight, uh, as we talked about earlier, the Pac-12 championship game right here at Allegiant Stadium. Thank you so much for your time, my man. Enjoy the weekend, and I look forward to talking to you next week. You too, Coop. Have a great weekend. Absolutely. There he goes. The great Lee Sterling from ParamountSports.com. Again, you can find Lee on Twitter at Paramount Sports and here with us on Unnecessary Roughness each and every Friday. This is Unnecessary Roughness here on Raider Nation Radio 920. It's Unnecessary Roughness. The judge, Lester Hayes, joining us now. That's YQ. Of course, our team kept winning. Kept winning, Q, because of our training. You got to put in the work. And the time and the perseverance and the patience to train your body and train your brain. Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness. Unnecessary Roughness. Here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Here's your boy Q. Many thanks to Lee Sterling. Join us in the last segment to talk all things betting lines. Coming up at 2.30, Deontay Lee from Pro Football Focus. Also the Too High Podcast on Twitter at PFF underscore D Lee will join us. 
Talk some numbers. Talk some Raiders defense. Talk about the Washington football team, what he's seeing from them. A little bit of pro football focus breakdown. That'll come up at 2.30. I've had a ton of feedback on the show so far today. We started early today, each and every Friday. We start at 1 o'clock. JT the Brick comes on from noon to 1, and then we take over. We take the sticks from 1 to 4, and then we pass the sticks on to Vinny Bonsignor from 4 to 6 in the huddle. On Fridays, he's at TI. That's the Treasure Island, so that's where you can catch him this afternoon. If you want to go hang out, say, what up, though? Go check him out at Treasure Island. Got a lot of feedback on the Sam and Ash text line, and we got one text in particular. It's like a two-part text that I have to address, and it's and I love it. I love the fact that it's you know it's a text that's kind of going with what we've been talking about, about someone who doesn't believe that the Raiders' defense is good. And that's okay, and that's why I threw it out there, because if it's not, please tell me. But this text here says Littleton, talking about Corey Littleton, isn't an NFL-quality player. Abram is poor in coverage. Faison isn't an NFL cornerback. Perryman is only okay for us to run and could tackle. We have no interceptions by a linebacker. How many NFL teams have zero interceptions from all their linebackers? And before I go on to part two of the text, my man DeMond Cotton's been feverishly doing a lot of work in the background, and you can actually answer that question, DeMond. Yeah, there are five other teams in the NFL whose linebackers do not have an interception. The Cowboys would be on this list, but I think um, Micah got one yesterday. Yeah, I they're, think they're, everybody got one yesterday. Yeah, because they Taysom, Taysom Hill was throwing them up. But yeah, there we got the Seahawks, the Jets, Jacksonville, Denver, and Pittsburgh, and the Raiders. There you go. Teams who do not have a linebacker that has an interception. But take it a step further. Take it a step further, brother. No linebacker in the NFL, if we're just going to say inside or outside linebacker, has more than two interceptions. So why why are <laughs> interceptions like a new hot stat for linebackers? <laughs> right. That's the that's the key right there, the key cog. Imagine like the, the Ravens when they had Bart Scott, Ray Lewis, Terrell Suggs. Man, those guys are some monsters. But where are the interceptions at? <laughs> no, would you be saying that? No, nobody would be saying that. Sweet Ray was getting them. Sweet Ray was getting them for sure. But you're not just looking right. for them and be like, oh, man, yeah, he can tackle. But right. What's his, what's his interception? I mean, Denzel like? Perriman, it's funny to call out Perriman immediately. Perriman's been playing some damn good ball. Is he a liability in coverage? Sure. Leading the Pro Bowl in votes. <laughs> I know people was like, oh, well, that's just a fan vote. Right. That People were recognizing the talent. Right. What are you talking about? Right. I'm almost at the point where this, this texter, excuse me, I was going to say caller, if you don't like the team, just don't watch because <laughs> it seems like you're just being a hater. Well, let Calling me take— Calling out people that are not, they're not NFL players— the, what are you talking right, about? Right, right. Yeah, that's just that's just plain disrespectful. I mean, these guys and, and look, we're very critical of, of certain players and say, hey, that guy's not very good. Like I'll say Taysom Hill's not very good. He's not a very good quarterback. He's a good football player. I don't think he's a quarterback, but he's a good football player. I think that the Saints are a little silly to give him as much money as they're giving him, but that's a whole nother subject. So those guys can play, no doubt about it. And Perriman, I mean, again, I thought KJ Wright was gonna be the dude when the Raiders signed him. But Perriman's been the dude. He's been that guy. Yes, he gets lost in coverage. He has There is liability issues in coverage. But the dude could play. He absolutely could play. And I know that Jonathan Abram is a safety. I get that. But he kind of he plays the box safety role. He pretty much plays just about a, live, a linebacker role. And he does have an interception on the season. I'm just saying. Just throwing that out there. But, again, he is a safety. He's just a box safety. But I want to go on a little further on this text, and then we'll get right to the phone line. We definitely need to try Hobbs on the outside. Faison cannot play outside. He's never even close to the ball. He has one easy interception. I don't think he's had one breakup since. Why hasn't Trufant played more? There's no way he's worse than Faison. 
Also, <laughs> Brandon Faison, who has started in only five games, leads the team in passes defended. Boom. So also, what are you talking about? You just, you don't watch the games. You just told on yourself. You just got caught. That's real. I mean, it leads the team in, in pass breakups. And this dude goes and lays the wood. Has he had a few rough games as of late? Sure. Yes. I'm not disagreeing with you there. But the dude has been a pleasant surprise. When you sign him off the Chargers practice squad, all of a sudden he steps in and he plays a major role that is a big void because Trayvon Mullen was out? Come on. I mean, I think we're reaching here. I think, I think we're, we're looking for, for gold and you get silver and you're like, oh, it's not good enough. No, I mean, it is. It is. They've I been think playing. The reason it's so mad is just that's it's just a and a not stupid. It's a dumb text. It's just like, do you know how disrespectful being like that's not even an NFL quality player? You know the difference of dudes that's like, yo, he the baddest mama jamma in college that <laughs> can't make it to the NFL, right? And you're talking about quality starters. They don't belong in the NFL. Yes, yeah, that's 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 uh maybe it's not a Raider fan. Maybe it's someone who's not really watching the games like you mentioned. I don't know. It just doesn't make any sense to me. Just like I've been saying that the defense is better than people are trying to give it credit for. And again, I don't know when this this narrative shifted. Because all season long, I've been taking calls and texts and tweets about this defense. Gus Bradley's been saving the day. Now all of a sudden, it's like, oh, they ain't worth a damn. <laughs> what do you mean? I told you I was fired up as soon as, the, as soon as I started. Before the show even started, I told you I was fired up. I know one guy who's always fired up. 702-365-9200. That's our guy, Passion the Raider. What's on your mind, my man? Welcome to the show. Boom. DeMond, treat that man. Put a <laughs> name on it. Who is this clown? Come Didn't on, leave a name. Not, not NFL players. Come on, man. They might not be the best, but for as long as these men are on the field, they're on the field like four quarters, almost half the quarters until the Dallas game. So, yeah, they got a little beat up. I've been hard on the defense, and I will be hard on the defense. Because I do want to see Perriman get some pass breakups. I'm tired of seeing Abrams getting his ass smoked. I'm tired of seeing Crosby running past the quarterback. You know, I want to see Heineke get hit this weekend. But to say these guys ain't up, I heard all day, man. <laughs> Honestly, man, I, I wish that dude would put a name on it. But, man, we ain't worried about that clown. We talking about the, we talking about the Death Star on Sunday. That's what we talking about. Captain Blackjack, get your ass out of here just so I can be wearing you out last time. Did you dirty? We got something for you. So we I don't think these boys are going to come to play no games on Sunday, Q. I don't think they are. I really think I'm feeling it, man. I've been fit, man. When I get juiced up and feel it, I feel it, man. In D.C., burn them. Use it. You got that arm. Use it. I want to see some slant routes this weekend, Q. I, I, don't, I noticed the Raiders never run a slant route, really, or some, just, uh, some, some curls. We're going to have to switch it up with what we got to work with this weekend. I really want to see these guys come out and play with some passion, man. I really want to come out and see these guys come out and play as a team, man. I do not want to come out and see Carr sitting by himself on the bench this weekend. I don't know one wants to see that. So, please, let's get it. Sunday, Washington football team, our home, did us dirty. This game's for Al. Let's go Raiders! Woo! 
There it is. There's that passion right there for Passionate Raider. Thank you so much for that. Damon, good job on the dump button. Uh, yeah, being quick on your toes, man. <laughs> hey, that's how, Damon, that's why you get paid the big bucks, man. Oh, my God. You know what, Q? You know how you like, you're like you talking about the players, they need to have a little extra something in their yeah, neck? Yeah, yeah. I think it's, it's bled over into the fan base. <laughs> <laughs> that's who's got the little extra something in their neck. That's what I want to see on Sunday. I want to see the fan base bring that extra edge, man. Bring that little something-something in their neck. Just when Wendy said it earlier. Hey, get to the game, get loud, get proud, be be loud. Man, show out. I agree. Got a text, 69187, keyword R&R. That texter plays too much Madden. Talking about the talking about the defense and the lack of the defense. Uh, we got a text from Geese Mode. Carr is the only player in history with two games with 90% completion of at least 30 pass attempts. My key to the game this week is another clean show from number four slinging the rock against that stingy Washington defense. I think that that is the biggest key. I think, really, the biggest key to this game is number four. And I'm not talking about Taylor Heineke. I'm not talking about Washington's number four. I'm talking about the Raiders' number four. I think he has to do, just like you said, 30 pass attempts plus. I mean, I'm really honestly looking for maybe 40. And I don't never call for 40 passes. I'm a guy who likes to run the ball. I like to see that run game. I just know that it's not going to be a whole lot of success on the ground on Sunday. But I do think that number four could sling it. You know, passionate Raiders said some uh, slant patterns. Would love to see Brian Edwards get, catch a couple slants. You get, you let Brian Edwards c- catch a couple slants. He's going to run through some tackles. And one quick note, and then we'll take a break. Going back to last week, and I hate to go, but keep going back to that game against the Cowboys. Man, Josh Jacobs is still running if he catches that ball. There was a there was a, a quick pass out of the backfield, and I forget what linebacker it was for the Cowboys, but he was falling down, and Jacobs catches it, and then when he's bringing it in, it falls to the ground, and he kicks it. Man, I'm telling you, he's still running. He's running somewhere in like Lubbock, Texas at this point. I mean, because he would have just ran and ran. I mean, that was a clean touchdown if he could have caught that ball clean. And that's that's the difference sometimes in a, in a big time play. And luckily for the Raiders, they, it didn't it didn't kill them. They went to they ended up going to overtime and, and they they got the W. But man, that could have been a touchdown right there in regulation. Uh, that was a big time play that could have been. And again, that's why sometimes numbers don't tell the whole story because that was just a flat out drop. That was a flat-out drop that could have gone for six. 226 is the time. Speaking of numbers, Deontay Lee from Pro Football Focus. He'll join the show next. This is Unnecessary Roughness on Radio Nation Radio 920. Casey, when you first signed with the team, there was a lot of critics and naysayers. I'm not sure how much you pay attention to the media, but a lot of people said that even after all of your success, you might have been past your prime. But so far this year, you've been proving that you're still one of the best corners in the league. I don't, I don't even know they said that. So. <laughs> I didn't know they said that, but... safety. Casey Hayward was all over it. Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness. Unnecessary Roughness. Here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Here's your boy Q. 2.31 is the time here on Raider Nation Radio 920. We're going all the way up till 4 o'clock. Then we'll pass the sticks on to my guy Vinny Bonsignor in the huddle live from Treasure Island. The T.I. It's definitely going to be a, a, a good environment, a lot of fun to hang out there as uh, as Vinny does each and every Friday. And I, like I said, definitely encourage you to go on over there, check it out, and uh, get hooked up with some prizes while you're at it. And uh, that's that's just what it is. That's what the business is on this uh, <laughs> on this Thursday. Uh, I did want to mention that we have some uh, winning on the way. Coming up after we uh, talk to our guy, Deontay Lee, we're going to actually get you hooked up with a Porta Subs tailgate tray. We're going to get you in to win a Yeti cooler. All brought to you by Finley Volvo in Vegas. So uh, we're going to do that as well. But we'll be talking to 
Deontay Lee from Pro Football Focus coming up in a matter of minutes. My man Demon is efforting him right now. Uh, so when we get him, we'll start to talk to him. But um, let's see. We got a text from Geesmo said, thanks, Q and Demon for the shout out. Appreciate y'all. Keep Red Nation in the know. You know, have a great one. That's from Geesmo. That's pretty simple. Uh, how about Sir Whiskey Ray? Q and D, happy Friday. With these injuries piling up for Washington, it's time to take advantage and get it and get at it come Sunday. In no way is this game going to be easy. Nothing is handed these days in the NFL. However, the Raiders will need to set the tone early with a touchdown and not a field goal on the opening drive. I'm ready for the game, Q. It's a must win. Whiskey high five to all Raider Nation. Oh, he talked about the defense too. The the defense must help out with some three and outs. Containing running back Gibson and wide receiver Scary Terry must be the game plan. These guys could take it to the house on any given play. Uh, and then he said that this game's a must win. So there was a lot there on that text. But, yeah, Sir Whiskey Ray, I appreciate it. Sorry I messed it all up. But, uh, yeah, that's 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 right. You know, offensively, they got to get after it. They got to make it happen early. They got to make it happen often. And then defensively, you got to find a way to first start, stop the run. If you stop the run, then you have a chance because then you're going to make Heineke just drop back and pass, and you're going to make him drop back and pass and make him drop back and pass. And I do think – he has an opportunity to make a few mistakes, but you've got to be able to stop that run. We'll get back to that, get back to the keys of the game. We'll also talk about the Raiders' defense in a little bit. Right now on the phone lines, we have our guy Deontay Lee from Pro Football Focus. You can find him on Twitter at PFF underscore D Lee, also a part of the Too High podcast. And Deontay, thank you so much for your time this afternoon. We appreciate you. Before we get into any NFL action, I wanted to get your thoughts on the college coaching carousel and how all these coaches have changed places. Lincoln Riley, Brian Kelly, Marcus Freeman. Now he's there at uh, in Notre Dame. He's that head coach. Uh, what have you thought about the carousel in the collegiate game? Um, I think a few different things with a few of the different moves with Brian Kelly. I think that, you know, obviously there's a lot made about the manner in which he left and Lincoln Riley as well. When I look at Brian Kelly, I kind of look at that tenure as, you know, he was there for over a decade and they made a couple of, they made a national championship appearance. They've been to the playoffs a bunch of times. They competed for an ACC title um, last season. I think that that one I can understand a little bit more justifiably, a coach looking at that situation and saying, you know, he's winning this coach in, that, in a storied program's history. Maybe it's time to take another step. I can understand that if his goal is to win a national championship. The Lincoln Riley one was the one that really kind of blindsided me. Um, because that's just not typically how head coaches at Oklahoma operate. But I do think, and I know a lot of other college football people have kind of made a note of this, that the sport is changing again. You know, And every time we have realignment in, in college football, it kind of changes the context and the rules of engagement for everybody. So I just think that we're just seeing really the beginning pieces of what that Oklahoma and Texas decision to move to the SEC is going to create in college football. And then obviously when we eventually get the news of what they're going to do with the playoff system, because I do anticipate it, it expanding, that's going to change how people look at, you know, what kind of jobs they have versus what kind of jobs they want and their trajectories trying to, you know, compete for national titles. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. And it does leave a big hole there in Oklahoma. And that's a job that a lot of folks want. You know, Lincoln Riley was, was uh, not given that job. He earned that job uh, when Bob Stoops had left. But uh, who do you think, is there anybody that's kind of on your radar that you think would be a good fit for Oklahoma? None that really jump out. I know there's been a lot made by Oklahoma fans about Brent Venables. From what I understand, that relationship was really frosty at the end um, because he was basically pushed out, you know, in favor of another Stoops and Mike Stoops, you know, to take over that defensive coordinator mm-hmm. position. And I, it's not like I'm an insider, so I don't know, right. you know where everybody's relationship stands at that point, at this point in time. But, you know, that will be an interesting name. 
other than that, though, I mean, this coaching search has been so wild, and, you know, they're so late to the party in terms of trying to figure out who's even available and on the market. I'm concerned about, you know, because we haven't really heard anybody's name pop out that has taken up the national conversation. And, you know, I'm, I'm a little concerned about what, what direction they're going to head in. And, you know, I mean, I guess at the end of the day, if you end up with, you know, Bob Stoops maybe having to take over the program again, that's probably not the worst thing in the world given his track record. But outside of Venables, I haven't heard any other names that have perked my ears up. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. Again, that's a heck of a job right there. It's a heck of an opening. It doesn't happen very often. And, and so now there's a, a nice fight, fat opportunity right there in Norman, Oklahoma. And I got one more college question for you before we uh, move on to the NFL. And we were talking earlier about uh, Georgia and Alabama. They're playing the SEC championship game. You can hear that game right here on Raider Nation Radio 920 tomorrow. Uh, I, I told Damon, I said, man, I, I, I pull for Alabama. I love watching Alabama. I yell roll tide all the time. Not that I have any kind of connections. I just like watching Alabama play. But I don't feel like they have any chance in this one. Georgia, I feel like it's just going to roll them. How, how, how do you feel about this upcoming SEC championship game? I think if, you were, if somebody who was a supporter of Alabama wanted to sell me on them being able to beat Georgia because Bryce Young was just lights out in the game, I could believe that. But if, in basically any other scenario, I think that is their one pathway to winning, is that Bryce Young has like this, an out-of-body experience in the SEC championship game. In any other scenario, I can't imagine Georgia winning by anything less than two or three touchdowns because of what they've done defensively this mm-hmm. year. Uh, one of the things that we talked about on the Too High podcast this week was, you know, these different, you know, matchups and matchup issues. And one thing that I will say is, you know, Stetson Bennett, as a quarterback for Georgia, has struggled with pressure. It's obviously just not been an issue because they've just been beating the heck out of teams right. all year long. So he hasn't faced it a bunch, but his production does dip significantly when he's pressured. And obviously Alabama has one of, if not the best pass rusher in college football, Will Anderson. So that's going to be an interesting matchup to watch as the flow of the game goes, if they can force those passing situations. And if they do, maybe there's an opportunity to create, you know, some havoc in the backfield. But aside from that, man, I, from what I've seen of Georgia and what I've seen of Bama, these are two teams, you know, that are both at the top level. But even even within that, it's pretty clear that Georgia is doing something a little bit different this year, and it just seems like everything is lined up for them to be national champions right now. No doubt about it. I mean, that's just the way I feel as well. And again, I'm a guy that I yell "Roll Tide" all day long, and I can even appreciate what Georgia's doing uh, this year. We're talking right now with Deontay Lee from Pro Football Focus on Twitter again at pff underscore d lee. My guy Demond has a question for you. Yeah, just to talk about that Georgia defense for a little bit longer, what are they doing, like, besides having great players, what are they doing that's making this defense so special? It's basically just evolving the 3-4 defense to make it work in a modern era. A lot of what they're doing, if you were to just draw it up on the board, it looks pretty similar to things that coaches and people schematically were doing, you know, in the earlier 2000s, back into the 90s and 80s. It's all reminiscent of that kind of stuff. It's just using it in a way that fits the spread era of football. And then obviously having, you know, a boatload of five-star talent up front doesn't hurt either. Um, that's really just been the combination of what it is. It's, it's a lot of, like, you know, reapplications of some classic schemes, how the way they play cover three, their ability to play tight coverage and cover four, um, all these different ways they're able to mix and match on the back end, and then having these monsters up front that can affect the pocket and create plays in the backfield. It, it's, you know, maybe the, per- the best combination I've seen – since, you know, that 2018-19 or 2017 Clemson team, 
You know, they had that run of having elite defensive linemen and a bunch of athletes as, at defensive backs, and they were able to create havoc with all the different kinds of ways they were able to create pressure. Deontay Lee is our guest right now on Unnecessary Roughness, Radio Nation Radio 920. You can find Deontay on Pro Football Focus, a Too High podcast. Uh, does a great job on that as well. And uh, when it comes to Pro Football Focus, Deontay, it's 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 numbers. I mean, you guys do a fantastic job of covering the sport, breaking the sport down, and, and, and it goes by the numbers. And I think, and this is just my opinion, that it's a great – like parameter, it kind of it gives you a really good idea, but the numbers aren't always the whole story. I mean, when you're doing crushing the numbers there at Pro Football Focus, how much of the story does that tell in your opinion? I mean, to me, I always look at every one thing is just one tool. No one thing tells an entire story. You know, there there are certain things that you can pull from watching film, certain things you can pull from the data, certain things you can pull from personal experience, and I try to use a combination of all three you know, or talking to other people who may have access to information that I do not. And I try to use all of those as tools to try to paint the fullest picture that I can. I want to illustrate something as completely as possible. So what I would say is if there is something maybe that I have not watched very closely, but I need something as a point of reference before I start watching, I can use the data in that, in that scenario to kind of divide lines, and that gives me a point of reference for, okay, maybe I've watched a lot of the Saints' defense, and I know how they perform, and I have all the data on them. And there's another defense I want to watch that I haven't seen a ton of. If some of their data, the way that they play, you know, how often they do things, how successful or unsuccessful they are, if it lines up or if there are big differences, that will kind of pique my interest and say, okay, maybe they're doing something differently, or okay, maybe they're very similar to something I already understand, and then I can dig in from there. Um, you know, no matter what kind of analysis you're doing, I think all of it comes down to having points of reference and something to compare it to. That's the easiest way for people to understand it, and that's what I try to rely on the most. Absolutely. No doubt about it. I think you hit it right on the head talking about tools, different tools to be able to understand everything that you're seeing and breaking down. Uh, it's a fantastic way to put it. Again, we're talking with Deontay Lee, and we were talking about the Raiders' defense in general and what they were last year compared to what they are this year. And I can look at the numbers and say, okay, well, they're ranked here, they're ranked there. That's not that great. But the eye test tells me, Deontay, that what Gus Bradley's got out there, the scheme he's got out there, and the players he has that he's working with, they're doing a pretty good job this year. They're really keeping the Raiders in games and giving them opportunities to, to win. What are you seeing in particular from the Raiders' defense this season? I think it's classic Gus Bradley. I think at his heart what he wants to do is have elite pass rush talent and the ability to play, you know, man and some cover three behind it. And that's what he's been able to stick to this year because of the production that they've had up front, obviously led by Max Crosby. Um, they've been able to affect the pocket, you know, game after game after game. And to your point, that has allowed them to compete with teams that if you just lined up maybe position for position or player for player, people would assume would maybe kind of walk away with the game or be able to control the game against the Raiders. Um, so that's been the most impressive thing to me. I think that having a guy like Javon Morig, who has continued to grow in his role, I think that, you know, obviously they'll have to readdress their cornerback position. I think this offseason, whether it's in the draft or free agency, to add some talent there. But they've pieced together – I think a defense that is pretty reminiscent of what Gus Bradley likes. You know, he wants to have a bunch of athletes at the back, on the back end, so he wants to have fast, long, athletic guys who can play physically against receivers at the safety and corners positions. He likes having linebackers who can, you know, match up with tight ends and running backs, you know, all these different athletes that we see, you know, between the tackles now. And then, you know, at the end of the day, the stars are going to be the guys who are up front and that's kind of what they've tailored this defense to, and I think that they've got a nice foundational piece 
for whoever the next head coach is going to be to work with. What have you thought about uh, rookie Nate Hobbs? He, he's a guy who plays the slot, but he also can play the outside. He's a fifth-round pick out of Illinois. But, man, he just looks like that he, he doesn't make the same mistake twice. And I know that he's been ranked really high as far as pro football focus goes. I think that he's, he's one of those excellent finds that you need if you're trying to build a defense that lasts for a while, right? It can't all be built on first and second rounders or, you know, high price tag free agents. You're going to need a guy like that that can step in and maybe not need to wait until their second contract to be developed enough to be a positive, produ- productive player. And that's what they have in Hobbs right now. To your point, he doesn't make the same mistakes very often. Um, I think that, you know, again, being helped by your pass rush as a young DB, it allows you to be aggressive when the time is there to be aggressive. And it also allows you to protect yourself, you know, if you're making mistakes. So you can see, you know, some of that technical soundness mixed in with some of the aggression that he has as a defensive back. And this scheme kind of lends itself towards, a young athlete, you know, while they're trying to maybe iron out some of the things in their game to really go out and just run and try to be a playmaker. You know, when he gets an opportunity to be a playmaker, I think that you see that, you know, he's able to contest the ball at the point of catch. You know, he's able to play tighter coverage than you would probably expect from a fifth-round uh, player. And I think that he's going to be a great addition for them. And to that point of building up the defensive backfield, that now allows you to get into the offseason and say, okay, we don't have to go find the best slot corner you know it that that is that is available in free agency or in the draft you can kind of take those resources and send them elsewhere which i think would be a big help for them as well yeah deontay speaking of cover speaking of that secondary the cover three defense that gus bradley runs he runs it more than any team in the league and you know obviously made famous in seattle do you think that maybe the nfl has caught up to that heavy cover three scheme or what's the perfect blend of cover three with the modern nfl I think that cover three will always have its place because at the end of the day, no matter what anybody says, you have to have an ability to stop the run. And nothing is going to put you in a better position to stop the run, in my opinion, than being able to play that single high defense. Um, So that's number one. Um, But I do think that you have to add in, you know, some of these newer modern elements in order to be successful. And I think that, you know, Gus Bradley, I know he's trying to find the tools within his call sheet to be able to get closer to that. But in his heart, he's always going to be cover one and cover three. And to me, if that's who you are, you know, Bill Belichick does it a bunch as well. And what that comes down to ultimately is having the dudes. They've got to continue to figure out a way to, you know, build out this roster so they have the dudes to run the scheme. It's not always about the X's and O's. A lot of times the Jimmy's and the Joe's. <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. I mean, <laughs> it doesn't get any more simple than that sometimes. you got to have the Jimmy's and the Joe's. Football, football ain't the most complicated game all the time, man. Sometimes you just got to have the dudes. Right, exactly. Sometimes it's that simple. And, and uh, Deontay, you know, two guys that have really played really well, you know, by the numbers and just on the field this season on that defensive line, Max Crosby, Unique Ngakwe, uh, they're one and two in just about every single category. And I believe that they could even be better. And I think they're going to be a key cog to this final month of the season. But what have you been seeing from those two guys on the Raiders defensive line? Um, just that kind of ideal one-two punch primary secondary pass rush type. I mean, we've all known, you know, since before he was in Las Vegas that that Yannick is a productive pass rusher, and I think that allowing this guy to be in a role where he can play off of another number one type pass rusher only adds value. That, to me, ultimately is the key to what makes them successful, um, is having, it's not just having, you know, a Khalil Mack who dominates, and that's not, I'm not bringing up that name because he was an old Raider, but it's more to the point of that kind of archetype where you can just find the freakiest athlete you know, to be the pass rusher that affects the game all the time because offenses are so good now at being able to get their quarterbacks in situations where they can get rid of the ball quickly that you've got to have another way to create pressure. 
And having that secondary rusher, that allows you to create pressure and not have to blitz. And what really is the issue for a lot of defenses now is if your number one guy can't get home and you've got a blitz, the way that these spread offenses are now in the NFL, eventually you're going to get blown up. And they've been able to avoid that more times than not because they don't have to send so much pressure. That makes sense. Makes a whole lot of sense. Again, we're talking with Deontay Lee for Pro Football Focus here on Unnecessary Roughness, Raider Nation Radio 920. And before I let you go, uh, the Raiders, the next team that they have on the schedule is the Washington football team. They're on a three-game winning streak and, of course, in my opinion, led by that defense. What have you been seeing from the Washington football team? No Landon Collins this week, but what have you been seeing from that defense that's made them so effective? I think, you know, the Tampa Bay game in particular, I thought that was kind of more of Tampa Bay putting up a stinker then maybe Washington, you know, playing all that great defensively. But the one area where they've grown is, you know, their coverage ability or their coverage skills and the data for their coverage is kind of evened out over the last month or so. And that now allows your pass rush, your great defensive front seven players, to be able to affect the game more. Early in the year where they were just getting absolutely run off the field in some of these games, they had an issue with just trusting their corners to be playmakers. And their safeties weren't doing a good job of being able to cover for them either. And a lot of what, you know, Del Rio likes to do as a defensive coordinator is going to be relying on those corners to handle their one-on-one matchup so that way they can really constrict the field. So I think they're getting closer to what their vision of defense is and closer to what they were when they were a wild-card team, you know, a season before. So that, to me, has been kind of behind the surge. And I think this is going to be a really good litmus test, I think, both for Washington's defense and Vegas' offense, who probably really needs another game to reestablish their rhythm and kind of get back to what it looked like they might be earlier in the season. All right, Deontay, I promise this is the last one. <laughs> but <laughs> That's you, my famous last words, by the yes. way. <laughs> we, we love to celebrate high school football here on this show, and you being a high school yes. football coach, what's the most like rewarding part of you know coaching up high schoolers? And does working for pro football focus, does that earn you any points with the kids where you tell them to do something like, oh, coach, you know what he's talking about? <laughs> I think that that's probably, to answer your second question first, I think that probably buys me more points with the adults, with other coaches, um, or, you know, parents. I think that, you know, there's a certain kind of aura with, oh, you work in football and you also coach football, um, which is, you know, it cracks me up because I'm like, I can't really take any of those spreadsheets out onto the field <laughs> to win me football games, right? Like, a lot of that stuff has to be done by the kids. But to answer your first question, the most rewarding thing, I think, by far, is just seeing the growth of young men. And even if you coach, you know, women in a women's sport, being Mm -hmm. able to see the growth of young people, young student athletes from whatever they were as a personality through the years, you know, you get to see people's confidence grow. I've gotten letters from players about, you know, how that, how spending time working on their craft and football, they've been able to take that and apply that to what they do academically if they had struggles before. So it's all just about implementing these smaller fundamentals and really getting down to the ability to work hard for something. That is the number one thing. I think a lot of young people, and really I will say a lot of adults, I think, have misconceptions about young people and their work ethic. And a lot of times what you'll hear is, oh, you know, such and such generation is soft. Or these kids don't mm-hmm. understand X, Y, and Z. And really more times than not what it is is that it's just never been exposed to them in a way where they can see themselves applying those kinds of work ethic and, you know, attention to detail and things like that. And I feel like that's my job. And when I can get, you know, a 14, 15, 16, 17-year-old kid to look at me, you know, after practice, after games and say, Coach, thank you for continuing to push me, or I get it now, I understand what you're saying, I didn't get it at first, but now I see it. Or, you know, getting to the end of the year and you're like, Coach, I didn't even know how much I love football, but after this, you know, I'm all in, I'm jacked up about it, I want to get my other friends out here. 
that to me is what it's all about at the end of the day. You know, at the end of the day, you know, I work at a high school as a coach, which means that my number one job is trying to enhance their experience as students at the school, right? Like the winning is great, but if they can walk away from it saying, I had the best high school experience because I can't, that I could, and a lot of it is because of what I did in athletics. I mean, I can't ask for anything better than that. No, nah, and you know what? Uh, DeMond started, you know, hitting me in the heart, man. He started talking about high school football, <laughs> man. You you might be on this phone for 30 more minutes. I mean, that, that <laughs> hey, it gets me going, man. I love high school football. And really, honestly, this will be the last co- statement that I even make. But I'll tell you, and I say it all the time, we have high school football coaches on all the time. It's, you know, we talk about X's and O's. We talk about wins and losses, you know, to, uh, helping helping kids in the classroom. But it's also helping kids and, and students and, and be, be better citizens, be better in the community. You know, and sometimes you as a coach, you're more than just a coach. You're the you're the father figure, the mentor, the friend, you know, someone that uh, someone could go to and be like, hey, coach, this is what's going on with my girlfriend. What do you think I should do? I mean, you could be right. that that person to bounce those ideas off. How much does that mean to you? I mean, it means the world to me. And, you know, when I first got my start in coaching, I was also working in special education. So I was oh, on man. campus mm-hmm. with a lot, you know, and I have a lot of that gives you a lot of exposure to a lot of different people who have different needs. Whether you whether it's a student in the special education environment or in the general education environment, you know, and the biggest thing is kind of to your point is you're not just a coach, just like you're not just a teacher. You know, in a lot of ways, you're going to be you may be somebody who's feeding this kid maybe the best meal that they're going to have throughout the day. You might be the only other ear that they have for whatever problems they have because they don't feel that their adult people in their lives can maybe identify or relate to what they're going through, and that is the job. You know, again, anybody can come out here and put guys on a sled and teach them how to strike a blocker. Mm-hmm. You know, if you spend enough time at a clinic, you can learn how to coach a football game. Right. right. It's a game at the end of the day. But what separates people when you when you talk about, you know, these coaches at all levels of football that people will run through a brick wall for, that's what it's about. Nobody is going to care how much cover four or cover three or blitzing we did when they were a high school kid and they're an adult. But what they will remember if I bump into them at that place is, Coach, thank you for giving me the time that you did, or thank you for listening when I felt like nobody really understood what I was going through. That is that is the job, and that's the part that I want to embrace the most and why I get the most enjoyment out of doing what I do. Absolutely, man. You couldn't have said it any better than that, man. That was perfect, and, and I agree 100%. That's Deontay Lee, Pro Football Focus, Too High Podcast, on Twitter, at PFF underscore D. Lee, and a good friend of the show here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Deontay, thank you so much for your time. I really do appreciate you. Have a great weekend, and we'll talk to you soon. Thank you. You guys have a good one. All right. There he goes. Deontay Lee. That was fantastic. Fantastic. We could have started with some high school football, and I'd still be talking about some high school football. Man, I was telling you, uh, that was a good one. That was a really good one, DeMond. Good good get on that guest right there. Uh, Deontay was fantastic uh, breaking it down. We talked some college with them. We talked some NFL with them, and we took it down to the high school level as well. So everyone could understand that conversation. Uh, that was a lot of fun here. Closing out hour number two of unnecessary roughness. But don't you worry. We got one more in the bag, baby. We got one more on the way. Here we go. One hour long, one hour strong. Then we'll pass the sticks on to my guy, Vinny Bonsignor. But coming up next, Connor Orr from Sports Illustrated. He'll join the show to talk about the coaching carousel. Who could be going where in 2022? Well, we'll talk to Connor about it next as we kick off hour number three. This is Raider Nation Radio 920.